0: As we stand, let's pray. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and all the thoughts of our hearts may be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Amen. Most of us in Britain today don't like waiting. We don't like waiting at traffic lights or queuing at the supermarket checkout and certainly not waiting at the post office at this time of year. We don't like being put on hold on the telephone or waiting weeks or even months for a hospital appointment. If we're honest, most of us would rather um, we rather consider waste, um, waiting as a waste of time and for some extraordinary reason, we seem to think that we must really fill every unit of every day with some activity. Is that right? It's impressive, therefore, that all the people featured in the first chapters of Luke and the Luke's Gospel are waiting. They are waiting positively. Zechariah and Elizabeth are waiting. Mary is waiting Simeon and Anna are waiting in the temple. The whole opening scene of the good news is filled with waiting people. And each of them in some way or another hear God's words, don't be afraid, I've something good to say to you. They're all waiting patiently for the fulfillment of a promise. Last week, Alan reminded us how God had promised Abraham that through his descendants, he would send one who would redeem and save his people from their sins. While many of God's people had forgotten this promise down the centuries, there were still men and women who were faithful in their faith, and and God certainly hadn't forgotten his promise. He just waited for the right time, and now that time had come. So as we look this morning at Mary's waiting, we see that having an unexpected encounter with God or with one of his mighty men, as Gabriel was called, can be a deeply challenging and disturbing experience. How did Mary respond to Gabriel's message? And how did she wait for the fulfillment of the promise? Was her response very different from Zachariah's, And if so, how might that inform our waiting as we wait for Jesus to come again? How do we live from day to day as Jesus' followers facing an uncertain future, whether that's a personal uncertainty or as a nation? Is the way in which we wait important? Is the manner... Of our waiting, important. We're going to look at first Mary's fearful encounter, living with uncertainty, Mary's amazing response, open to all possibilities, and how Mary waited in faith, living with the promises of God. You may find it helpful to have your Bibles open at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, which you'll find on page 1026 of the Church Bibles. God had been silent for a long, long time, 400 years. And yet there were still men and women of faith who looked for the promised Messiah, who would bring comfort to his people. And not least of them were Simeon and Anna, who Mary and Joseph would later meet in the temple. While the temple services continued, many people had forgotten to watch out for the promised Messiah, but God had not forgotten his promise to Abraham. And now the time had come for this promise to be fulfilled. First comes the encounter and the fearful, the announcement and the fearful encounter. First God sends his angel Gabriel, to the priest Zechariah to announce that, that despite his old age, he's to have a son, John. Then Gabriel is sent to Mary, a young virgin pledged to be married to Joseph, living in a Galilean village, not even mentioned in the Old Testament, with a shock announcement that she, Mary, had been chosen to bear the Messiah The Son of God. We know this story well, but let's look at how she responded. Despite the angel's warm greeting, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you, Mary was startled, she was frightened. Quite a natural human reaction. Although we're to believe she was of excellent moral and spiritual character, she was still a sinner, as we all are, as humans, as a human being. Here she was, suddenly and unexpectedly, she finds herself face to face with a strong, sinless person, an angel sent from God. However, whatever our mental images are of Mary's encounter with the angel, Luke points out in verse 29 that it's the angel's words that upset Mary. Yet, they're good words. "You highly favored one," he addresses her. He implies that she is a divinely favored person, full of God's grace. "What? me?" We can almost imagine her saying, or thinking, anyway, for she knew that she was the only a woman of humble birth and of social position which she mentions in her song of praise later in verses 48 and 52. So why was she addressed in such lofty terms? What, me? I've been singled out by God for a very special favor? How is that possible? In contrast to Zechariah's initial response to Gabriel's message, which was actually one of disbelief that he would have a child, Mary's response is much more one of incredulity and perplexity. For her question is, how will this be? Not, how can this be? And I want you to make a note of how God's love really shines through in this passage in a a wonderful way. Both of Mary's preliminary um, reactions are sandwiched between the angel's words of encouragement and clarification. In verse 28, we see the angel's greeting. And then we read, Mary was deeply troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that might be. And the angel reassures her, Don't be afraid, Mary, says Gabriel. Note that he calls her by her name. She's known. Why should she not be afraid? Because Gabriel says, you have found favor with God. And then Mary's request for an explanation, how will this be, is followed by the angel's comforting reply. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. An unexpected encounter with God can be deeply disturbing. Here's Mary being told that she's going to be an unmarried mother. Is that really good news to her? God's great favor to bear his son certainly wasn't going to be all the fun of the fair. Mary was going to have to face disbelieving glances, sidelining, ridicule, and possibly even stoning in that society for having a child out of wedlock, especially if no one believed her story. And why should they? It hadn't happened before. And then how would Joseph react when he heard the news. What Mary was going to face from family, friends, and her fiancé was going to be a little foretaste of what Jesus would face years later. Disbelief, ridicule, rejection. Yet, it was for a purpose. God's plan of salvation for his people then and for us now. And so for Mary, the waiting began, the vigil. Suddenly God, by means of his messenger, had thrust her into a time of not knowing, not knowing what lay ahead for her. How could she cope with all the questions that would arise in the next nine months? And that raises a further question in my mind, which is more difficult To trust God when he is silent, to wait in that not-knowing time. Or to trust him when he has spoken and given you something to do, something which is not what you would have chosen for yourself. Is it more difficult to trust God when he is silent in the not-knowing, or to trust him when he has spoken and given you something to do which is not- Of your choosing. I'm going to take an educated guess that in a congregation like ours, there'll be a number of us currently facing either the silence of God, the not knowing, or the challenge of God today. And actually, it's not really important to decide which is the more difficult situation to be in, but rather to ask. Where am I in relation to God right now? And how am I waiting in my situation? This is Advent, when we wait to celebrate the birth of Jesus, and we look ahead to his coming again. So it's a very good time to ask that question, how am I waiting The Reverend Julie Nicholson lost her daughter, Jenny, in the July uh, July 2005 London bombing. It was an awful tragedy for everyone concerned. And certainly life for Julie has never been the same since. I heard her speaking on Radio 4 a couple of weeks ago. As Julie spoke of her many unanswered questions... The interviewer asked her how do you manage the unresolved? She replied that she had to live the questions. She spoke of the importance of being fully engaged in life and not staying staying just tucked up under the duvet. I felt that she was an excellent illustration of active waiting. Most of us think of waiting as something rather passive. But active waiting means being fully present to the moment, believing that this moment in time is the moment. If what the Welsh poet R.S. Thomas said is right, that the meaning is in the waiting, and if, for example, winter is an important time for plants in the garden to put down deep roots, creating strong plants for the fruitful months, then waiting times are not to be jumped over. As Bishop Graham instructed us two weeks ago, we are to wait, to look, and to hope. Surely that's what the wise men did. They saw a star and set out searching for the one to be born King of the Jews. Their questions were only fully resolved when they found Jesus, the one they had been looking for. For some of us, like Mary and Julie Nicholson, we may have to live our lives with a degree of uncertainty, of not knowing, knowing that our questions may not be fully resolved in this life. In this instance, we need to wait patiently, living the questions and believing Isaiah's words that those who wait for the Lord, those who look to him, those who hope in him, will renew their strength. As Isaiah said, those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. So let's now turn to Mary's amazing response. Verse 38. It's clear from this passage that Mary believes God's message that she will conceive a child by divine intervention, not by human action. But how? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, says in verse 35. Therefore, the one to be born will be called the Son of God. Through God's almighty power, he will be conceived in her. Has the angel made everything perfectly clear to Mary? Of course not. Despite our advances today in science and human embryology, there's still a mystery about human conception So this divine conception surpasses all understanding. Neither God nor Gabriel demand that Mary understands everything. What is required of her is that she believes and willingly submits to what God asks of her. The angel encourages Mary by telling her of Elizabeth's conception in her old age which could be compared to the conception of Isaac. If God can do that can he not do the even more miraculous in the conception of his own son, Jesus? For nothing is ever impossible with God. Mary's final Response is, is really quite amazing and shows her humbly and willingly submitting to God, to God's will and his purpose. I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. Mary trusted God so deeply that she was open to all possibilities, even the greatest of all possibilities, that God himself would live within him, within her. We give thanks today for the birth of Thomas to Richard and Rachel Leggett. All of you mothers will know what it's like to wait for the arrival of your baby. And when I asked Rachel what it was like to wait for a baby, she said to me, It's scary, exciting, unreal, feeling huge, feeling stretched. I have no energy. Time goes fast, time goes slow. I have lots of text messages from other waiting people. And I still wake up every morning and feel my tummy to see if the last nine months were really all of a dream. Now she knows it's not. And she added, I wonder what baby will look like. Now they'll know. Most of our waiting is filled with wishes, which in itself is a way of trying to control the future. So to wait open to all possibilities, as Mary did, is an enormously radical attitude toward life. So as to trust that something will happen to us that is far beyond our own imaginings, and that's something Mary did. And so the angel left her. And Mary began waiting for an event which would also be the fulfillment of God's promise. So living with the promises of God, waiting in faith. Zechariah, Mary, and Elizabeth were living with a promise that the Lord God was on his way. They were expectant, alert, and filled with hope. They trusted the word of God that the one to be born would not be only be a human descendant of david but also the son of god who would establish his kingdom that would last forever and you'll see that promise particularly laid out in 2 samuel chapter 7 and verses 11 onwards these people were actively waiting in faith they were open to all possibilities They were filled with hope and believed God's promises. What an example. And later, we can read Mary's song. And maybe that's something you'd like to do later today um, from that chapter when she meets Elizabeth and she just praises God for all that he is doing in her and through her. But as we look towards celebrating Jesus' birth this Christmas and wait for Jesus coming again, let's follow Mary's example by being alert and active in our waiting, being open to all that God wants to do in us and through us, and keep looking forward in hope, trusting in the promises of God, Whatever our circumstances, let's pray. Lord God, we praise you that you do even more than we can think or imagine. We thank you for choosing Mary, a humble, unknown person, but precious to you through whom you were going to be the one to come and save us from our sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Help us to be alert and alive in our waiting. Help us to be open to all that you want to do in us and through us. And keep us in hope, trusting your promises today and tomorrow, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.